welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. In the 1950s and 60s, stock car racing was found in every corner of Vermont and throughout New England. Here in Brattleboro, the West Brattleboro Speedway operated on farmland owned by Edgar Law and on the north side of Marlboro Road. Edgar's daughter and son-in-law, Dorothy and Clay and Russell, were part of the day-to-day operations of the track and it became a family affair. The racetrack was located on land between Leader Home Center and Vermont RV Sales and Service. The clay track was an oval that may have been adjusted over the years. There are reports that the track was one-eighth of a mile, one-fourth of a mile, and one-third of a mile in length. A grandstand for spectators and a concession stand serving hot dogs, hamburgers, and fries were also a part of the race day atmosphere. During the summer, races were on Sunday or Saturday, and there would usually be six or seven races a day. Between races, a grader would smooth out the bumps created by rollovers, and a water truck would wet down the clay in order to keep the dust down. Admission was a dollar, and children were free. The West Brattleboro track was part of a regional race circuit that was attractive to many jalopy racers. Jalopy racing was the original term used at these local tracks and eventually stock car racing became the accepted phrase for the automotive sport. A racing enthusiast could travel to Keene, New Hampshire to watch the racing on Thursday nights, go south to Miller's Falls, Mass for racing on Friday, then head northeast to Claremont, New Hampshire for Saturday night racing and finish long weekend Sunday afternoon with races in West Brattleboro or at the Hinsdale Airport in New Hampshire. The West Brattleboro track was described as rustic by some as its safety fences were cut logs that lined the track. Fans were able to watch the July qualifying heats and finals, demolition derbies, and women's races. In 1950, Edgar Lawton, in conjunction with the Windham Racing Club, opened the West Brattleboro Speedway. On a good weekend, thousands of fans would attend the races. Lawton had graded the racing surface and trucked in a good deal of clay to create his racetrack in the first season was going well, when it was disrupted in early September. Like many New England states, Vermont had a series of statues known as the Blue Laws. These laws limited many activities and sales that could happen on Sundays. According to Vermont's Blue Laws, only certain paid admission sports were allowed to occur. Automobile racing wasn't one of them. An accident at a racetrack in northern Vermont brought this fact to light, and the state took action to close all racetracks on Sunday. This included the West Brattleboro Speedway. This decision caused a backlash. There were accusations that the Blue Laws were discriminatory. Playing golf on Sunday was allowed, as were winter sports like skiing. Many complained that sports activities geared toward the wealthy were exempt from blue laws, while sports appreciated by the working classes were banned. Edgar Lawton didn't let this stop him. He took steps to bring lights to the West Brattleboro Speedway, and he could offer races on Wednesday nights. The Vermont legislature passed a law in early 1951 which allowed for Sunday stock car racing as long as the townspeople agreed by a special referendum to approve Sunday racing as well. In 1951, there were about 6,000 eligible voters in Brattleboro. Less than 300 chose to vote in the special Sunday racing referendum, and Sunday racing won easily. In 1952, Edgar Lawton faced another dilemma. While he was attempting to maintain his clay track, he was charged with breaking the law. He was using a truck that was registered as a farm vehicle to haul a load of clay to the speedway. According to state law, trucks registered as farm vehicles could only be used for farm-related work. Lawton was arrested by a state trooper, and when asked why he was hauling a truckload of clay, Lawton said this clay was necessary for his cash crop. 
Judge Barry heard this explanation and asked Lawton if he was raising hot rods in his farm fields. When Lawton explained that he had already registered his truck as a commercial vehicle, he was fined $25 and released. One of the most famous jalopy racers to come from Brattleboro was Morin Sonny Rabidou. He grew up in the Fort Dummer section of town and was one of eight children. His dad worked at the Berkshire Cotton Mill, and after school, Sonny joined his dad at the mill. Sonny served in the military from 1949 to the end of 1951, and when he returned to Brattleboro, he also returned to the mill. In 1952, Sonny's older brother talked Sonny into becoming partners in a race car. Sonny became the driver. His racing career began at the West Brattleboro Speedway and the Hinsdale Airport track. His success at these local raceways led him to branch out to other tracks. Sonny Rabidou joined with a sponsor and won races as far north as Colchester, Vermont, and as far as south as Stafford Springs, Connecticut. He was very successful at the Keene, New Hampshire track and was unstoppable at the Claremont Speedway. Sonny captured four Vermont Dirt Track Championships and five New England Dirt Track Championships. He was nicknamed the Flying Frenchman and won more dirt track races at the Claremont Speedway than any other competitor. Sonny was also inducted into the Claremont Speedway Hall of Fame and the New England Auto Racers Hall of Fame. Through it all, he had a reputation as a soft-spoken gentleman who ran a clean race. The Flying Frenchman went to work at Tri-State Automotive in the mid-50s and developed a great reputation as a machinist who could rebuild any engine. Sonny retired from Tri-State Automotive after working 42 years for the company. His racing career almost lasted as long. He didn't officially retire until 1975 and came in first in 109 featured races throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s. The West Broadboro Speedway began to wind down as the 60s closed in. The track wasn't as large as many in the area, and by 1960 it had morphed into a go-kart track. Thanks to Mono, Cooper, and Anthony for researching this week's story. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past. 